celebration. Indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. And this is episode number 26 of Indecent Exposure here at the Greylock Glass. Today is Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. I'm your host, Jason Velasquez, and it's great to have you here with us. This is a super show. Um, we didn't have time to set up an interview with Moon Hooch the, the last time they were in town uh, last year. And we were darn lucky to catch James Mushler at a moment when the band was kind of, but not quite, stationary. Uh, they were give, going over a checklist before jumping back on the bus to start their new tour across the U.S. Um, you know, I have my shortcomings. We all do, I suppose. But language and communications are kind of supposed to be my thing. And when I'm at a loss for words, I get a little bit tweaked. Um, trying to describe the music of Moon Hooch sends me in that direction. You know, maybe if I were a jazz cat, I'd have better luck. Or if I hadn't been kicked out of music theory class in high school, never to return, I don't know. Uh, Maybe then I could explain exactly how two saxophone players and a drummer can awaken an ancient desire to dance. Let me tell you, I don't dance. Um, And not just move, like in carefully thought out patterns of foot placement. We're talking spontaneous lurchings and possessed gyrations the world hasn't seen since that Hamlin incident. Thankfully, there's no shortage of reviews of Moon Hooch's latest release, Red Sky, that do a great job describing the technical characteristics of the music that create that aforementioned irresistible urge. Um, I was just happy to talk with James Mushler, percussionist of Moon Hooch, about the changes from the last album, Cave Music, uh, to this one, uh, to activism, being your own tour chef. And uh, we got to even talk about some hints uh, about the next directions that the band's taking um, in their music. So let us um, not waste any more time and let's get straight to that conversation that I had with James Mushler of Moon Hooch here on Indies and Exposure. James, I want to thank you so much for being on Indecent Exposure here at the Greylock Glass. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, you're going to be in town um, in on the 5th, I guess. Uh, and you're going to be playing at uh, a Common Folk Artist Collective event at the Elks Lodge. Um, and this is not your first time in North Adams, is it? No, I think it's maybe our 6th or 7th time in North Adams. What's your connection to the town? Well, Mike is from south of Boston, which is pretty close by. Mm-hmm. So he has a big, pretty big connection with it. Um, me, uh, just, I've just been through uh, just with the band. Um, but very nice place. Mm. Well, I know, I know that North Adams loves you. The Berkshires loves you, in fact. Um, you sold out pretty handily last year. And um, we're glad to, glad to have you back. And this is, of course, after the release of your, your uh, third uh, album Red Sky. Yes, indeed. When did that release? Was that uh, this summer, June, something like that? That, yep, yeah, last summer. Yeah, June sounds about right. Yeah, um, it's an incredible compilation of um, of 
textures and flavors and other sort of abstract nouns that I could throw in there. Um, can you tell oh, us? Thank you. <laughs> it's well, we're going to talk about it. What um, after cave music, which I guess was was before that. Um, what happened in between that? And Red Sky, which um, you've described as, I guess, sort of a more sophisticated, um, more sophisticated effort. What happened in between Cave Music and Red Sky? Um, well, with Cave Music, we tried to incorporate electronics heavily, and um, you know the result was cool. The music's all right. Personally, I think uh, it kind of took away a lot of the raw energy that makes Moon Hooch. Um, such an integrated and, uh, I want to say, chemical experience. Yeah, so while the first one was more electronics, uh, the uh, Red Sky, we used electronics, but we tried to use them in a way that was more tasteful and that didn't take away so much from the raw aggression and the raw energy of the acoustic infrastructure. You might say that uh, the electronics support the uh, the flesh and blood tones. Yeah, totally. Got but, it. you know, the Red Sky, uh, you know, it's maybe a, a bit more balanced, you know, in terms of the electronics where cave music was like, we put too much sugar in the cake, you know what I mean? Got it. Like a little bit too too much, too much of, a, of an otherwise good thing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I listen to cave music and I, I think, you know, you might be being a little hard on yourselves. Um, it's a thoroughly enjoyable um, CD. It's a thoroughly enjoyable effort, but I do oh, understand what you mean by getting back to that primal. Um, yeah, that I mean, don't get sense. me wrong. It's not like I hate it. You know, it's, it's just that I think it might be our weakest album of the three. <laughs> well, you know, you more <laughs> yeah. than make you more than make up for it with Red Sky. Um, tell us, how long was that in the making, uh, Red Sky? Red Sky, um, a little bit under a year. Um, to write the music and to rehearse the music and to attempt recording it once, fail at that, and then record it again in another studio. Um, that whole process is like eight to ten months. Hmm. Tell us about failing. What's what's failure all about? Well, uh, we tried to record it um, in like our own makeshift studio. We rented out a space and we basically set up a studio. And uh, there was a bunch of analog equipment there and effects and uh, we used some of it, and we had like just rehearsed the songs individually, hadn't rehearsed a lot of the stuff together, so we recorded it, and the sound was not exactly what we wanted, and also the performance was not um, totally happening, so so we went at it again at the Bunker Studio, which turned out to be a much better idea. Yeah, it just it was, the sound was way better, and uh, we played much better, I think. Now, it seems to me that it takes a little bit of courage uh, as musicians and, and even as individuals to say, this isn't working. We've poured our hearts into it, and yet it's still not working. What does that do for your growth as, a, as an artist, to, to recognize that? Definitely. Any, any challenge as an artist, I think, is, a, is um, important for growth, you know, challenging what you know and what you're capable of. You know, whether it be something you're doing manually over a long period of time or whether it's like a project that you embark on, even if you have no experience with it hmm. or a little experience with it. 
yeah, I think poets are really important for artistic growth, for sure. Now, for those um, listeners who don't know uh, your your history, I don't want to get into too much of it because, as I said, in the green room, our, our digital green room, uh, we're going to post some links to uh, a lot of information in the show notes, and of course, we're going to have um you know a bio and about us in the in the in the show notes. But for those who are listening, maybe through iTunes or Stitcher or some other way, um, what's uh, give us the give us the the origin story of Moon Hooch. Where do the three of you meet? Uh, well, we were all attending jazz school. We were uh, going to the new school for jazz and contemporary music in Manhattan on 13th Street and 6th Avenue. And uh, Wenzel and I had met um, about nine years ago, almost 10 years ago. And then uh, I met Mike the next year. He came in the next year. Um, so I was playing with Wenzel in various groups, and when Mike arrived, I was playing with him in various groups, but uh, Wenzel and Mike hadn't played uh, together uh, until all three of us played um, under the Washington Square Park Arch. And um, what happened was I was just there with Wenzel busking, and Mike was there with his tenor, and he jumped in. And um, so basically we formed without the intention of, of creating a band. Hmm. And instantly uh, there was a uh, crowd reaction. People started dancing. So we thought whatever you would just keep doing that and experimenting with that idiom and that instrumentation. The um, you you have I've read in in interviews that Moon Hooch as a more of a more of a straight jazz trio was not as um, was not as a, as attention grabbing. But you began to experiment with some techniques and uh, some um, trappings of of house music, and where did you sort of evolve the um, the sort of moon hooch that you are today, and pick up sort of the trappings of of house and electronic music? And oh yeah, uh, well what happened was once I went on a cruise ship for six months um, to work as a saxophonist um, and all around horn player. Uh, for a band, and while he was there, he was hanging out with a DJ that he was really inspired by. Inspired him to start um, deeping, di- uh, diving deep into Ableton, and that's where he um, started producing house music. And then when he came back to New York, we were playing on the street, and he taught me these house beats and taught me sort of the foundation of this idiom that I had really little experience with, besides, um, you know, listening to what was going on on the radio. Um, so we started doing that and so that was kind of like the seed for the, um, evolution of the band idiomatically. Interesting. No, I hadn't read of it. I hadn't read about the cruise ship. Um, I've heard that you, yeah. you can always pick up something on a cruise ship. Um, so fast forward to today, you have been working on this, this sound and it has been wildly popular, uh, getting you kicked out of the subways because you attract too big of a crowd. And being threatened with arrest, and yeah. and now you really you, you really can't busk successfully because too many people will will show up. Um, do you miss that at all? Yeah, I definitely miss it. I mean, you know, busking in the New York City subway was really a special experience. I like I um, I'm you know not happy to be touring on the road because obviously I am, but there's there's something really special about that you know, uniting people of all different ages and demographics um, to dance together on the platform. It was a pretty special New York moment. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the organic 
spontaneous nature of it uh, must be exhilarating. Oh, definitely. Now, I could talk about the individual songs, and I guess for me, the important thing is um, is that there is a continuity between them. And I, I don't know how how you manage to do that, because when you play... Well, let me back up. You've listened to albums that, you know, they are arranged in an order that is perfect. And, you know, sometimes that makes perfect sense. If it's a concept album, you know, that makes sense. You know, but Red Sky isn't a concept album, yet somehow the flow just is perfect. What 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 was went behind the ordering of that that release? Uh well, I think we had recorded something like how many tracks are on the album? I forget. Oh gosh. This is a quite actually 13 tracks. Yeah, there's a good number of them. Thirteen? Yeah, I think we I think we had uh like sixteen or seventeen songs in the list and then we picked thirteen from those that we thought worked well together. Um and then once we had the list, uh we came up with an order that we thought would uh, yield a nice arc and a nice sort of journey. Hmm. That's that's a good word for it, journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you don't always get that with releases that that there was a real thought behind the the flow of it. Yeah, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out the order. Actually, <laughs> it's just, that was definitely a week from making that decision. It's a funny thing, you know. Sometimes you can't explain why it works better this way than it did that way, but. But no, I really think that um, anyone who has listened to it has, has, well, maybe they haven't noticed it. Maybe that's the magic, that it's so seamless that you almost don't notice it. Um, oh, I'm glad that you explained that. That's, 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 that was my first, my first recognition was that I didn't really recognize it. And it was only after listening to it a couple of times I said, you know, there was some real thought that went into it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a different kind of flow. Um, you know, you set, you know, you actually sit in between, you know, two saxophones and you unite, you unite them in a way, um, and you establish a, a certain rhythm, but there is a, another side to Moon Hooch that I don't hear a lot about. And that is a side of you that is very, very activist very driven by concerns about uh, such things as the environment and social justice. Um, has that all, has that always been a, a part of Moon Hooch? Um, yeah, I mean, de- definitely in, in some sense. I think you've only recently become activists, you know, like the past three or four years. Uh, whereas when we started uh, band, we were all consuming meat and uh, we're ignorant to a lot of the wrongdoings that are happening in the world. Um, and, you know, we're still ignorant, but <laughs> um, I think we've learned a lot uh, since then. Right. So um, yeah. so you were still, so are you, a, I see you did get interviewed in Vegan Magazine. Are, are you a vegan? Yes. Yeah, we're all vegan. How long has that been going on? A um, few years now. Um, veg, vegetarian before that for a while, and then uh, strictly vegan um, the past two, uh, maybe even three years now. What are some of the changes that you've noticed in life having um, made that transition? Well, obviously, they, they're they going to have some nu- nutritional changes, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I do a lot of cooking. Uh, so I don't, I don't really typically find it hard to, to be vegan, unless we're like in the middle of nowhere. You know, then the only thing around is a cliff bar. But 
Um, we actually travel with a pantry and a bunch of cooking supplies. So, um, and also a bunch of, um, like right now I'm sitting next to a bunch of onions and winter squash and bananas and, um, it's, yeah, it's actually not that hard to tour on the road being vegan as long as we're prepared. Nice. In the middle of nowhere for nice. a few days. Yeah, my, my, my wife is, and children are vegetarians and, um, my wife is is actually from down south in Tennessee, and usually eating out is all about side dishes, you know. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely a side a side of steamed spinach, side of uh, <laughs> French fries. Yeah, baked potato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but right. but we um yeah we we cook uh, a heck of a lot. You know, right now we've got a crock pot full of lentils going, and um, hell yeah. And uh, yeah, you can if you if you know how to cook and and you've found a way to do that on the road, I'm guessing you can you can survive. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean it's been it's been a lot easier recently. Uh, last year we bought this toaster oven so we can roast while we saute. So it's like having enough food to trap the show is never really a problem anymore. Right. Hey, that's no. And you take it on the road. Yeah. You take your toaster oven with you. Yeah. That's yeah. That's very cool. That's yeah, a bunch cool. of stuff. Toaster oven, skillet, food processor cutting board knives the essentials yeah that's um you know if i if i ever get a chance to uh to catch your your mobile unit um i'm gonna have to take some pictures of that because that sounds really cool <laughs> um oh, cool the um well the band actually has a has a cooking blog where we post a lot of pictures oh you of, do um a green room cooking setup yeah it's called cooking in the cave.net cooking in the cave i'm gonna write that down cooking in the cave.net because that's uh, that's an that's a side of Moon Hooch that I don't think everybody knows about. Um, okay. Now there is there does seem to be a return um, to ideals based living and ideals based art um, in music today. I I talk to more and more artists and musicians, especially who are trying to promote. Um, certain issues, you know, the environment, uh, social justice, um, Mm -hmm. economic equity. And it's a funny thing because when we think of idealism in art, we often think about, you know, in recent American history, we think about the 60s, we think about the 70s, um, and that, those messages made it into the mainstream because the radio was playing all of this new music and they basically didn't know what was going to sell. You know, the, the radio stations didn't know. The record labels didn't know. So a lot of stuff got out there into the mainstream. But in the intervening 40 years, um, the machine has gotten a lot slicker, you know, a lot more um, sophisticated. And not as much music gets put out there into the mainstream that has strong political or social messages do you do you think that there is a chance that this sort of growing awareness is gonna make it into the mainstream i think there's definitely a chance um i don't think i've been around long enough to observe how much has changed you know over time because i've only been touring for like five years um but hopefully in the future more bands will uh jump on the activism wagon and uh, 
you know, at the very least address the things that are going on in the world hmm. and that need to be changed. There's a lot of like ego based music on the mainstream. You know, it's all about, it's all about me for the most part. You don't really hear a lot of songs about the environment or about social activism. Um, kind of have to dig deeper into the underground to get the real shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now you went on quite a uh, a journey. Did you make it to India? Am I reading that correctly? No, that was me, yeah. You had quite an experience uh, both um, personally and musically. Um, tell me a little bit first about the personal um, connection that you made with India and, and then a little bit about the musical connection. Yeah, well, India is an amazing place. I mean, people there are, in general, really friendly, very aware, very cautious, and um, they endure a lot of um, stress, but maintain uh, a positive and very healthy mental state. Um, in general, I think I'd say that, which I found really inspiring. Um, and musically, I think the music that's coming out of there, you know, the Indian classical music that has been coming out of there for hundreds of years is really special. Um, so when I went there, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. Um, so I got lessons with um, two pop players and one bouncery player and um, tried to learn some rods that I really liked and just tried to learn as much top of the repertoire as I could while I was there. And it makes its way into and, some of the tracks that you've got on Red Sky, yes? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, um, on, on the sun, there's this, um, there's a couple of compositions that I transposed to the drum set, uh, from the Delhi Garana. Garana is basically a school of, of playing, so it's in the Delhi Tabla School of Playing. And then there's some ornamentation, and there's also a backbeat. The Tabla rhythms over there are very cool, very macroscopic. There's a lot of logic and sort of macroscopic structures that I think is really cool. Does that make sense? There's definitely a math to it. Um, uh, when you look forward um, after Red Sky, after your tour, can you give us any clues as to new experimentation or new directions you're, that uh, Moon Hooch is thinking about going in? Yeah, uh, well, one is that we're incorporating more hip-hop. Um, Mike is also a rapper, so um, getting a lot, of, a lot of that stuff in the mix. And uh, we've been talking about covering some more drum and bass music and some more up-tempo house. Um, what else is there? Adding more instruments. Mike just started learning oboe. So uh, incorporate that oboe probably at some point. Um, more electronics. Uh, SPD sampler pad. Um, double bass drum pedal. Um, Yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> Sounds like all but, stuff that is still yeah. going to be in line with that that raw uh, authenticity that you were talking about earlier. Totally, yeah. Especially the hip-hop stuff. And you talked about social activism. Uh, Mike's lyrics touch on a lot of um, world issues and personal issues and human issues, environmental, social, political issues. Sweet. Yeah. Well, you've got quite a list of shows. You are 
some busy boys. Holy crap! I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at your tour dates here. Yeah, seven 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 weeks on this tour, and then and then after this, we do a band retreat in Joshua Tree, which is going to be fun. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, we're going to write a lot of music there. And, well, you just came. You're just coming off yeah. a tour in Europe, right? I mean, that wasn't that long ago. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That was last month. Yeah. All last month. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at uh, obviously, you know, given that I'm here in North North Berkshire County, uh, North Adams is sort of on my on my radar. But you've also got Alston, Massachusetts, on October sixth, Albany on the seventh, Ithaca on the eighth, Pittsburgh. P- Pittsburgh's going to be a heck of a show. Oh yeah, that's yeah. going to be a huge show uh, on the ninth, and yeah. then Ohio on the eleventh and twelfth, and then you just push further and further west uh, from there. And I'm going to ask you to say a big hello and dip your toes in the the water at Santa Cruz, which is uh, <laughs> one of my home away right. from homes. I, I miss Santa Cruz some oh, days. Oh my god, can't wait! I love Santa Cruz. The catalyst is. Have you been? Have you played the Catalyst before? Um, sounds familiar. Well, I feel like I may have. When yeah. I lived there, the Catalyst was a cinder block rectangle, which was maybe maybe one of the hardest places to hear loud, loud music. Um, nice. Because if you, well, I mean, you really had to wear eardrums because all that concrete just, you know, reverberated back and forth. But I'm not sure. It says uh, Catalyst Nightclub um, in parentheses atrium. So maybe they maybe they've moved it, or maybe they have expanded so that they have a a more intimate uh, setting. I don't know. But uh, say hello for me when you get there. I will. Yeah, absolutely. James, we will look forward to hearing you and your Moon Hooch brothers on the fifth at the Elks Lounge. Uh, Elks Lounge. There we go. No, the Elks Lodge. Although they do have a lounge, they have a lounge downstairs. So that works. Nice. The, well, maybe we can hang out in the lounge. You know, yeah. it's it's wicked yeah. cool. It's a great place. Uh, <laughs> I wish more people knew about it and put on shows there because it's an, it's an awesome venue. Um, and uh, we, if I don't get to meet you in person, um, definitely have a great tour. And I want to thank you again for taking so much time to talk with us. Oh, uh, thanks so much, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for the interview. My pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah, man. This is just a reminder. Moon Hooch is playing tonight, Wednesday, October 5th, 2016, uh, as a presentation of the Common Folk Artist Collective of North Adams. They're going to be playing at the Elks Lodge, which is at 100 Eagle Street, North Adams. Doors open at 7. Tickets are 15 bucks. And if you ask me, be a good deal at twice the price. Um, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode. I want you to know that uh, I will find my pop filter. Some of you probably noticed that. Um, we moved. The Greylock Glass moved, kind of, sort of, this uh, this past weekend. And one of the things that is still in the box somewhere is a pop filter. Whoops, what are you going to do? Anyway, let's let Moon Hooch have the last word. Uh, and we're going to let them take us home with the title track off their latest release, Red Sky, here on Indecent Exposure at the Greylock Glass. Thanks a lot and have a great week.
Now you can subscribe to this show through iTunes. Just click the button in the right-hand sidebar and never miss an episode again.